0: Are you ready to live your best life, be stronger, and fall in love with yourself? It's possible, and it's inside you, but you need to unlock the power within. Welcome to Fearlessly Authentic with Jodi Harrison-Bauer. Jodi used to be afraid to take risks. It took some stepping out of her comfort zone to get her there. Along with her guests and their stories, Jodi will help you to live your best life ever. Now, here's your host, Jodi Harrison-Bauer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fearlessly
1: Authentic. I am your host, Jody Harrison-Bauer, and as always, I am so grateful to have you join me once again every single week from around the world, over 100 countries. It's impressive that you are all listening to me, and i love to hear from you. So please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. I'd love to hear from you, and... Listen to this great interview we have coming up right now with Mr. Ryan Blair. Welcome very much to the show. Thank you, Jody. Um, Ryan, for those of you who do not know him, is an author and an entrepreneur. And you started your career at a very young age under interesting circumstances. Um, so we can go back there and go back to when you were about 13 years old growing up. Um, if you can give everybody a little bit of background on how you started as an entrepreneur at such a young age.
2: Well, I I was always driven. My, my dad used to use compensation to try to drive my behavior. So if I got a base hit, he'd give me like a batting glove or take me you know for something that I wanted. So I was always very driven as a child. And I lived pretty much in the middle class up until I was 13 years old. And that's when my family succumbed to drug addiction. My mother... Uh, to alcoholism, and my father to, uh, you know, hardcore drug addiction. So at 13 years old, my life completely changed, and it was completely disrupted. I went from a secure middle-class environment with everything a middle-class kid can hope, hope for and, to, you know, abject poverty, and my life completely changed. And then from that point, I rebelled. I was in and out of trouble, in and out of gangs, in and out of juvenile hall. And, you know, it was really a troubled youth and made a lot of bad choices and bad decisions. And, you know, by the grace of God, my life changed, though, when I was 17 years old, my mother found me a mentor. And at that point, I decided to become an entrepreneur and pretty much everything in my life changed from thereof.
1: You know, mentors are so important in our life. And I never realized the importance of them until I started a business, which wasn't until I was 50 years old. So, um, and going back to when you were describing the middle class, I've heard you talk about like the middle class is really the worst place to be because as you say, it could be robbed from you at any point. And that's how I was raised. I was in the middle class and I remember there was always, it was either abundance, right? Or it was, we need to save so, you know, we could do things. And it was always, well, that person's doing something, that person's doing something. Why can't I do it if if it was a time it was either feast or famine? Yeah. So um, I totally agree with you when you talk about that middle class. And I never thought of it that way, you know, because if you grow up like lower middle class, I guess you can call it that, then you strive to be in the middle class. And then when you're in the middle class, you kind of say, okay. I'm here, but it's really never
2: a good place.
1: I know you have a lot more to say about that.
2: Well, you you know, in general, in the middle class, you're owned by your employer. You're owned by the job market, the economy as a whole. You're owned by the banks, the mortgages, the car loans, the credit cards. You're owned and you're basically working for all of them. And, and, And that's no life at all, where, you know, every single day you're in fear of whether you're going to be fired. You're in fear of whether or not You're going to be able to pay off the debt and you're status seeking. You know, you're you're buying things you can't afford living beyond your means because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses, as they say. So, for most people in the middle class, it's it's an environment that is filled with fear and there's a lot of difficulties around the subject of money. And there's a lot of, you know, feast and famine in the middle class that most people don't understand poverty is, you know, it's, it's pretty simple. People are poor in the middle class you know, people are pretending to be rich often and living beyond their means and living to, you know, pay off their debt, living to, to you know, work for someone else, basically. And in the wealthy class, it's a whole different way of living. It's it's
1: so true. You know, I saw my father, he was in sales. He was the consummate salesperson. My mom grew up kind of middle class. My dad's father was a, a milk milk delivery man, okay? So when he started making money, Um, you know, they spent a lot of money and then it's exactly what you said. Then they went into debt and then they had to keep up those appearances. And I watched it and I remember thinking to myself, I never want to be like that. I felt so bad for my father. My mom just passed away about a month ago, but she would just... Push him and push him and push him, and the poor guy, you know, there was only so much he could do because he was just stuck in that place. So, for people that whether they're you know older and they haven't learned or the previous generation, um, my parents were in their eighties. And what do you what do you suggest to people that are stuck in that middle class and say, I don't want to be there?
2: Well, entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. you know, in, in today's day and age, it is easier than ever to be an entrepreneur. The tools that are available to entrepreneurs now by way of, you know, innovations in technology and mobile computing and so forth. You know, it's, it's unlike anything I've ever seen. It's, it's the best time in the world to become an entrepreneur. You can reach people. You can get your hands on to mentors. You can get the training that you need. You can develop the skills that you need. All of this is now available and accessible at your fingertips 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Even your customers are available and accessible. When I first started my career as an entrepreneur over 20 years ago, you know, I had to figure out marketing campaigns and I had to figure out a lot of different things that now uh, the, the various platforms that are out there have made it simple. The technology that I have access to now as an entrepreneur is it would cost would have cost me millions of dollars in you know, 10, 15 years ago. And so I'm I'm leveraging business intelligence, analytics. I'm leveraging email intelligence, advertising intelligence, that other companies have spent billions of dollars bringing to market that I get to access for a couple of hundred dollars a month. And so now is the time to be an entrepreneur, and it's never been a better time in the history of the career of entrepreneurship.
1: Very interesting. I I agree. It just seems like, why wouldn't you? I know I wouldn't. Before I stopped working and had a family, I worked for a big company. I was a buyer for a big company. And I after I decided to go back to work, I thought I could never, never ever work for anybody else. I wanted to do things my way, not in a stubborn way, but why wouldn 't people do that? So what do you suggest for somebody so let 's go back to your story when you became an entrepreneur you found a mentor, somebody who really had an impact
2: in your life hmm. well i 've been blessed to have a number of, of of mentors the The first was a mentor that my mother introduced me to and he he turned me on to personal growth and he later became my stepfather because my mother started dating him in order for her to date him he had to go through me because I was very protective of her and and so and I had to basically interview him and he was a nice guy wonderful individual he's no longer with us and he taught me the foundation of entrepreneurship and foundation of personal growth and then from there I've had a number of other key mentors in my life that that have helped me elevate my level of thinking and elevate my level of creation and execution on my journey as an entrepreneur. And I, I'm blessed to call some of the most notable entrepreneurs and notable coaches as mentors of mine now.
1: What did he do that shifted everything from you getting in trouble and, you know, finding yourself in a lot of trouble? How how did that... Were you, do you think you were ready for that shift? Or do you think it was just the conversations that the two of you had, what do you think happened first?
2: Well, I'm I'm a very spiritual person. And so I was praying for a way out of the environment that I was in. I was praying for a way out of poverty. I was worried that my mother was gonna be harmed because if word got out where I lived, the rival gangs in the territory would have targeted her and targeted me. So I, I had a tremendous amount of fear and I was raised very early in my life by my grandmother to be spiritual she had given me a spiritual foundation that you know that i had instilled in me but i i had you know strayed from it and you know i i'd really prayed to find a better way of life than the one that i was living because i saw my brothers and sisters and the people that i you know was on the street with i saw them going to prison for the rest of their lives i i saw them murder people i was worried about that happening to me so my spirituality would be The key ingredient and there's an old proverb that when the student is ready the teacher appears and I really believe that and I've found it in my life to be literal so I was ready as a student the first teacher appeared and then when I saw that I was like huh if that worked once you know could I get it to work twice I'd ready myself as a student another teacher would appear and my life has just been a series of me readying myself for the next teacher to come into it
1: Sometimes we're not ready. So has there has ever been a moment when you thought you were ready, but you weren't? You tried to be open. You tried to have your heart and your head open, but maybe you weren't.
2: Well, well spiritually, you're going to receive t- tons of teachers in your life. Some of them are going to be negative teachers. So you're always being taught. It might be a bad relationship. That's the teacher of the day. It might be a bad business deal bad partnership, a bad investment. You're, you're always learning. And when we don't learn the lesson that is intended for us from the positive way, we're going to get it from the negative way. And so I wasn't attuned to this, um, you know, the laws of the universe and spirituality prior. So there'd be plenty of things that came my way that I missed or that I misread or wasn't ready for. And that, that, that's a pattern that we all experience. I've just gotten good now in my uh, later years with more wisdom and experience under my belt to now recognizing the pattern and the lesson that I'm intended to receive from it and and being able to uh, learn <clears throat> learn the, the, the lesson and apply the lesson uh, much more readily. But to answer your question directly, there were tons of times that I wasn't ready. And even with my mentors, there are times that I would get upset with them. I'd be angry at them. I would uh, disbelieve in them. I would turn my back. I would get frustrated with them. I would criticize them. And, you know, and, and that's a natural part of the process because a good mentor is going to confront you and a good mentor is going to pull out of you something that is, that is within you that might be keeping you stuck. And my mentor certainly did that. And so some of my favorite mentors where, in fact, the most difficult mentors, the toughest board members, the toughest investors, the toughest business coaches, because they're the ones that got me to step outside of my comfort zone and got me to really release whatever it was that I was holding on to. What is the biggest lesson you think you've, you've learned from
1: any of these mentors that maybe was consistent in your learning or something you had to develop as you grew as a businessman?
2: hmm well, every mentor brings a different message and a different, you know, thing for you at, at that particular given time in life. In order for you to make the next step on your journey, this person has a piece of wisdom for you. And so I don't think I've, I've had a single biggest lesson, but an overarching lesson that I've learned from the various mentors that I've been so blessed to, to receive from is to be a great student and to be a great teacher. Most of the mentors that I've been so privileged to connect with, the ones that I, you know, would deem the world's greatest, they had all the money in the world. One of which was the founder of Microsoft, and you know, he was worth fifty billion dollars. Another mentor is worth thirty billion dollars, and a variety of people that are worth so much money that they they could never spend it in a lifetime. And so I couldn't provide them money. Um, I couldn't provide them pretty much anything like there's nothing that I could give to them. And so they were doing it totally out of their desire to serve and to give back. And maybe oftentimes because I might have reminded them of them when they were younger. And so the mentors that I've been blessed to receive from, you know, I couldn't really repay. And the wisdom and advice that they gave to me is priceless. And so knowing that I treated as such and I come from the position and the the intention that i 'm going to try to extract as much information out of them for as much, as much time as they will give me, and sometimes you know it 's a few meetings that I get to experience the individual with, other times the relationships have been more uh, intimate and extensive but each each mentor has, has brought to me a piece of wisdom. The way I look at it is i 'm missing a piece of the puzzle in order for me to accomplish the mission that I'm here to accomplish on my soul's journey. And each mentor is going to give me a piece of the puzzle. Once I receive that piece, that mentor might not have another piece of the puzzle for me. And I have to go find another mentor. And even to this day, I'm constantly seeking who my next teachers are. And, you know, I, I'm in a position where I have means and I'm, I'm so blessed to have that. And so I'm constantly asking myself, who am I going to hire next and now I'm not necessarily chasing people down to give me mentorship for free because I can afford to pay people. So I'm constantly looking to hire people to be able to bring me the information and the wisdom or, or the technique or technology that will help me get that next piece of the puzzle for me to be able to be more productive and more generous on my soul's journey.
1: I have so many questions for you about yeah. mentorship, about your business, um, because it's a beautiful thing. I've you you created a business called Aftercall.
2: Yeah, it's called Alter Call.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. I knew that. I knew it was called Altercall. Right. I, I knew that. Sorry. No worries. Um, so tell us about that business because it has to do, it ties in with everything that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, my, my mission for Alter Call is to create the world's largest mentoring organization. And through the various mentors that I've had, and to digress for a second, so I've been very successful as an entrepreneur and I've been able to generate over two billion in sales through the various endeavors that i 've been a part of and I want you to think about that two billion dollars not as, as as money and wealth because i didn 't get to keep it all by any means I shared it with a lot of people but I was able to deploy that two billion dollars in a series of experiments trial and error you know successes and failures product launches a variety of different ways and and through that i 've been able to learn a lot and extract a lot of lot of wisdom and a lot of lessons and a lot of uh, practices and principles and values that I now can apply to starting businesses and helping people scale and build their businesses. And so Alter Call is an organization that I've created to help people just do that. It's literally uh, to help people alter their lives so that they can answer their calling. And I mentor them, but I also have a a team of facilitators that I've uh, trained and equipped to also mentor um you know teaching them the principles and practices that I've been able to extract from my 25 year journey and 2 billion dollars worth of experimentation
1: it's an incredible business and so many people are going to benefit from what you're offering so Thank we're you. going to
2: go we're going to go
1: back and then we're going to come back to this again because I want to go back to what happened after you were mentored at 17 and you you started your own business soon afterwards
2: correct yeah, I was unemployable. You know, I was a drug dealing gang member with tattoos. You can't see them here, but you can see some of them. I've seen them in some of your videos. Right? Yes. So I was a drug dealing gang member with tattoos. You here
1: up, you look like a Boy Scout.
2: Yeah, from here up I do, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> you, do. Um, you know, that, that that um I do look like a boy. I I should have been a boy scout, truthfully, but the um thank you for that. I'm the, sorry.
1: Am I the first person who ever told you that?
2: No, but okay. I I you know, I I do have the, you know, I I I was a a gentle soul, a sweet soul that got put in a very difficult situation. Yeah. And it hardened me and it made me, you know, angry and it made me tough and it made me uh, violent when I was a gang member. And, you know, and and there's all kinds of interesting lessons to extract from that journey, especially as a young child. but you know, but I, I lost my train of thought when you said Boy Scout. So where where were we? Sorry, at?
1: no. So we were talking about how you started your first business. Oh yeah. Yes, so you I was said back, you yeah. had no no skills.
2: Right. Yeah, I, well, I I, I was, well, I, was I was skilled at. So a gang is an illegal enterprise, and so you have to learn some fundamental concepts that are very applicable to building a business when you are effective in a gang. And I was very effective at it. I had a number of people working for me. I had a number of different things that, that I, rackets that I was involved in that made me, you know, very successful on the streets. Um, certainly one of the most successful people on the streets. And, and you know, what I, what I my main thing that I did on, on the streets was I, I stole computers and I reprogrammed them and resold them. And this was at the time when computers were just taking off, you know. It was, so 19, was late nineteen nineties. So, okay. excuse me, this is prior to computers being on every desktop in every household, and so I was one of the very, you know, early on people to learn software and computer programming and so forth. Bef- right before the dot com, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, explosion that occurred. Yes, I remember
1: the big box in my house.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and so I I I'd. Um, stumbled my way into some skills that were very applicable. And so I decided to start a business that was to you know, bring those skills to you know the people within my community. My first company was called 24-7 Tech. And the idea behind it was, is that if your computer was broken, I would come repair it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I built and scaled that business to a million dollar business pretty quickly. Um, I was about 20 one years old at that time. Now you were
1: self taught. You taught yourself how to work these computers, right? You just that was a skill set you you honed in on.
2: Well I I was self taught at first, but then, you know, I I went to college. I went to a community college and then from there I went to a um, a four year university where I really fell in love with computer sciences. So you know I did have some formal training. And, you know, I, by self-taught, you know, I was extremist on being self-taught. You know, I, I read books nonstop. I was, I was wanting to learn and master this thing called computers or this, you know, whole new emerging field of computers, because I I knew that somehow that this was going to be an important aspect to my future. At first I thought I was going to have a career in computing just, you know, like get a job. But then I decided I was going to be an entrepreneur and, and you know, and I've been involved in the creation of a few technology companies uh, since then.
1: So from there, you you created the 24-7 tech. Yeah. And did you sell the business and move on to other things?
2: I, yeah. 24-7 tech taught me about scalability. It wasn't a scalable business model. And so I exited that business and I I took a loss on it. And Wait, tell me
1: why it wasn't scalable.
2: I'm just curious. Um, because it was dependent upon uh, human beings, and you know, I had to deploy engineers to locations and have them then fix people's computers. And so it was very labor intensive. Okay. And as a result of that, and I, I I wasn't a very efficient manager at the time. Um, so you know I you know I was brand new to it. So I would say I was limited. Uh, but it's the model of it is not nearly as scalable. When you look at some of the other businesses I've been involved in, you know, software and and even consumer products, they're much more scalable than me having to hire a person, you know, for $100 an hour and sell them for $300 an hour, right? You know, right. that's not very scalable versus, you know, uh, manufacturing product and shipping product 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Yes,
1: I own a fitness studio. So I've owned one for twelve years. So I understand what you mean. It's yeah. very labor intensive, and it doesn't really run efficiently unless I'm there because everybody wants me. So yeah. I get it. So yeah. um, what did you go on to do after that? After that business?
2: So after, after that, I started a, uh, a company that was called Twenty, or it was called Sky Pipeline, and that was a wireless broadband service provider. And we were the very first to innovate in wireless broadband. And this was prior to. Your cell phones having wireless broadband it was also prior to uh, broadband, wire, or broadband wired being accessible by all, um, and in fact, it's still not accessible by all. But most people have access to cable or high speed uh, broadband access. So we were one of the very first pioneers of wireless broadband access, and I built that company from the age of twenty one to twenty four, and exited it at twenty four in a, a pretty significant transaction.
1: So how does somebody know when to exit out how did you know is it a just a gut s- intrinsic thing you just know do you think some people just know how to run a business and some people do not mm. and knowing when to get out like you knew get out of 24/7 it's it's not scalable let's move on to this let's sell it at this
2: yeah there you know there there's an intuition that I've always had, but I didn't always understand my intuition by any means. Mm. I've, I've recently developed that more. But I would tell you in the exit of 24-7, my board of SkyPipe, and I should say, my board members wanted me to exit that business. And I had developed relationships with some friendly competitors. And I had been talking about some acquisitions and some mergers. and And one of them proposed the merger to me. And so as part of the the natural process of building a business, it's important to you know create complementary relationships in your space. And eventually those relationships may very well be the exit that that, you know, that, that you seek down the road.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's it's like, well, I don't even know if you even know who Kenny Rogers is, but, you know,
2: Of course. Okay. So, no one to hold them, no one to fold them, no one Mm -hmm. to walk away. Right. And Uh, I think
1: that is, you know, the magic of being um, a wise and shrewd and clever business person. Just knowing when it's time to say goodbye, move along, start something new, maybe find the next thing that excites you. Because, along with the things we're passionate about, usually we're passionate about the things that we're good at. Um, passion, purpose, there has to always be profitability, right?
2: Yeah. Well, you know, some of the biggest financial mistakes I've ever made are staying around too long. Mm. And I've made that mistake where I, you know, I was, I was in past my, my, my desire, my, the energy that I had for the business was, you know, it peaked and it was going downward. Mm. And I stayed in past the peak of the energy that I had for the business. And so I you know, I, I agree with you one hundred percent. Knowing yourself and that's the the journey though. Over twenty-five years, I've just come to know myself better. And now when I design organizations and I structure organizations and so forth, I'm you know, I, I have a, a lot greater understanding of what drives me what my principles are, what my values are, and and how I can construct a business and architect a business to where I will be satisfied more with it for the long term. But when you're early on in building businesses, you have no idea how to architect them in a way that's going to suit your lifestyle. And eventually your business controls you as opposed to you controlling your business. And if you don't architect it correctly, you basically create a full-time job. And that can become very painful when you have a business that is running you as opposed to you running your business. And so many of the entrepreneurs that I mentor, some of which I help them exit their businesses, others, I help them restructure their businesses in a way that's going to fulfill them and in a way that's going to bring them the type of comfort and peace that they're seeking.
1: I love that. And one of the things that you mentioned was energy. And we have to take a quick break right now, but I want to come back and talk about why energy is so important in running a business. So we'll be right back with Ryan Blair.
0: On Fearlessly Authentic, Jody talks about mental and physical well-being, and the key to both starts with proper nutrition. The Jody Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan was created to help your body feel better. Whether your goal is to lose weight, gain muscle, or just feel lighter and more energetic, following this meal plan can help you get there. The Jodi Jumpstart Meal Plan is a 21-day plan to help you learn the most important things about the food we eat and what foods are right for you based on your goals and activity level. The Jodi Fit Jumpstart Meal Plan is a real plan for real life. This is not a diet, but a change in lifestyle. The plan is simple and easy for you to follow. In the 21-day plan, you will receive meal ideas, snack ideas, a grocery list, and a 21-day journal crucial to your success with inspirational quotes to keep you motivated and keep track of your progress. The key to success is commitment, consistency, and willpower. Be fearless and trust the journey. Go to JodyFit.com to purchase the JodyFit meal plan now and use the promo code podcast to get 25% off. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Listening to Fearlessly Authentic with Jody Harrison Bauer. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or comments you may have. Send an email to info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. That's info at jodyharrisonbauer.com. Now, back to Fearlessly Authentic.
1: Welcome back, everybody. I am Jody Harrison Bauer, and we are back with Ryan Blair on Fearlessly Authentic. And we were talking about energy. Before the break and to, to me, and it sounds like to you as well, that energy is almost everything Mm -hmm. that if we don't start something or have the right energy around us or in a relationship, so relationships, personal, professional, I know you mentioned talking, um, I heard you talking about being, you know, in a toxic relationship at one point, Mm -hmm. myself included. Um, And so Tell me about how you make sure that you surround yourself with the right energetic humans.
2: Well, the people that are going to be attracted to you are mirrors to you. So the way that you change the people around you is you change yourself. And the more work that you do to remove negativity. Now, the way I like to describe it is each of us has a vessel and inside that vessel, there's light and there's mud. The mud is... Negative circumstances, negative experiences, trauma, toxic substances, toxic content, toxic thinking, anything that we put into us that is negative energy. You know, it could be greed, could be ego, could be uh, shame, could be grief, could be, you know, apathy, could be guilt, could be worry, could be fear. That's just mud that accumulates over time. And if we don't have the tools to get the mud out of this vessel, eventually we're going to have a vessel that's filled with negativity. And we're going to attract people that are very similar to us in nature. And so if you want to change who's around you, you just have to change the inside of you because the people that, that you want to attract, they're going to uh, resonate with you in the amount of light that you have. And so that's the, the secret to to, you know, the law of attraction is become the person that you're seeking to attract.
1: Easier said than done. How did you do it? How did you make that shift?
2: Well, it is easier said than done. And I will tell you that, you know, I I went through a very dark night of the soul four years ago when my mother passed away. Um, At that time, I was in agony. I was in the worst pain that you could imagine. I had so much love for her, but there was so much unsaid uh, stuff between us. There was there was uh, things that I wished that I would have been able to tell her. There was uh, pain that I had that I'd never expressed. There was a lot of trauma in the way I was raised and the way she, uh, you know, experienced my father as well it was a very traumatic individual. And so and she um, passed away after falling down a flight of stairs and being in a coma for two years. And then she was severely handicapped for another nearly uh, six or five years after that. So a total of about seven years of just agony and hardship accumulated into her transitioning. And it was a devastating thing for me. So I had really avoided the pain for seven years and that accumulated all of that. um, I self-medicated. I distracted myself. I, I did anything and everything I could other than, than sit with the pain and the trauma that I was enduring as a result of seeing my mother in such terrible condition. So when she passed away, The best way that I could describe it is it was like a nuclear explosion. Mm -hmm. I got to see clearly everything that I had created in my life that I didn't like. I got to see the the friends that weren't there for me. I got to, you know, see the pattern of behavior in my life. I went through a, a difficult custody battle where, you know, a person that I thought loved me, you know, was saying terrible things about me. I wasn't able to see my son. Attorneys got involved. People were suing me. I I just basically looked at the life that I had at that point in time and said, wow, this is not a life that I want to live anymore. And I made a decision that I was going to change and that I was going to invest 100 percent of my capacity into that change. I'd always heard these these principles and parables, you know, you know, in order to, you know, change the world, you have to first change yourself. And in order to, you know, change uh, the people around you, you have to change. I heard all that stuff. And I was blessed to have the 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 environment and the money to be able to do that full-time for, you know, a period of now going on four years where I've done nothing but focus full, my full-time effort, energy on healing and on growing as much as I possibly can. And for the first two years, I did it in complete isolation. And then after I started getting feedback from people, people that I knew said, wow, Ryan, you're glowing, you know, you've changed, you're different, you know, there's a light shining in you, there's something different about you going on. I then st- thought to myself that I could bring the technology and the tools that I had utilized over two years to as many people as I possibly could. And those te- that technology and those tools are, you know, they're... they're a variety of different modalities that I was able to, you know, experiment with and test on my journey of transformation that I've now simplified and bring to others who are also seeking to heal and transform at an accelerated pace.
1: Could you share what some of those things are?
2: Yeah, well, you know, number one is prayer. Number two is, and and most people just don't know how to pray, you know, there's, There's a way to put yourself into a state where you are connected with your higher power, with the universe, with your creator, whatever your beliefs are, in a way where you can clear out all of the mud that is disconnecting you from these forces at work that are all around us, that are available to us, that we just don't uh, have the ability to access if we haven't been trained in how to do that. Meditation, I eat extremely healthy I only eat clean, pure foods. I don't put uh, any garbage in me. And I used to all the time. I don't drink. I don't do any uh, drugs. I don't take any pharmaceutical drugs. I don't take Advil or aspirin or anything like that. Um, Physical activity and fitness is a key component of it. Nature is a key component of it. Vocal work is a key component of it. My voice might sound a little shot because I just had a vocal lesson earlier. And so can we just I, stop
1: and talk about the the music? Oh please. Because I, I heard you talk about I have a horrible voice. And um but you said you couldn't sing like you would pretend to sing when you were in church because your voice was so bad. And I'm the same way, like even singing happy birthday to people. I, when it goes to the high note, I, I (laughs) like peace out, you know, because my voice is so bad and I have like a, a graspy, I don't raspy voice sometimes. Um, so how just to, you know, share with us, how did you get into singing? What made you go there?
2: you know it is the hardest thing to get into when you never had any musical inclination or or uh capacity right. um and you know people made fun of me people would laugh at me they'd say you know don't ever sing <laughs> right but, i get the same thing right and and like i would i would be i would try to wait for everybody to start singing happy birthday and then i just kind of mouth it i right. never yeah. actually sing either and, and in church you know, I would just mouth it and I would feel so uncomfortable because I wanted to sing, but I couldn't. And when my mother had passed away, um, I'd become obsessed with Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. Played it on repeat, you know, 10,000 oh. times because it reminded me of my mom. And and it was when that song came out, it was at a time when my mom and I were really close and going through a tough time. And just I had a deep connection to the song and my mother. So I would play it over and over and serendipitously, a friend of mine texted me because I told her how much I loved the song that she knew Whitney Houston's vocal coach. Oh. And uh, Whitney Houston had, had trans- transitioned at that point, but it was her, her late vo- or her former vo- vocal coach, I guess. And so I saw it as a sign. And I said, I want to meet him. And I sat down with him and he told me that the voice was just simply a series of muscles that you had to learn how to use and that anybody could learn to sing and that anyone could learn to have an attractive, resonant voice. And when he told me it was muscles, like the equivalent of building a bicep, I said to myself, I can learn that. Like I, you know, as an athletic person, I've learned how to use all kinds of muscles that I never thought I could learn how to use. I learned how to play basketball and I was terrible at it. And so as a result, I made the decision that I was going to learn, you know, my, my vocal cords, and I've been practicing now for two years, and and I you know practice three times a week with them. I just had a lesson a few minutes ago before I got on the call, and I can sing now.
1: I think that's amazing. I, I would, ha- I maybe one day I'll have to try it. I'll, I'll
2: send you, I'll send you, um, uh, you know, some some exercises. But but in the pra- process of learning to sing, I have learned to voice and express myself in ways that I never had before. I've learned how to be a better speaker, a better orator. I've learned all kinds of things about my voice, my self-confidence. And so the journey into learning to sing has taught me so much about myself that I did not know prior to it. It is the hardest thing that you can journey into and you're going to be terrible at it for, you know, for, in my case, two years until I've gotten to the place where now I'll sing in front of other people.
1: It's those journeys, you know, it, we throw these, these sayings around, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I, it sounds to you, it sounds to me as if you've been putting yourselves in uncomfortable positions for most of your life, because that's a passion of yours that you want to learn, You're always learning. You're putting yourself in positions to learn from others, then teach it to other people. And just with the singing, learning how to sing and being in tune with your body, your from your, your mind and your body are so connected. And when they're connected, we can create such beauty in the world. Like it brings it out of us, which makes us shine out to the world. And then those beautiful people. That energy that we want comes shining back to us, and who knows? Maybe you'll be in a rock band one day, right?
2: No, I I have no idea where (laughs) Where God's going to take you. Yeah, where God's going to take me. But I I do know that as a speaker and a person that's you know doing on stage and and giving speeches and doing virtual events and in-person events, the more that I master my voice, the more successful I become. So, to me, it's just a simple. Uh, math and to give you an idea, this this vocal teacher that I have is probably the most expensive vocal teacher on the planet. I've already invested you know seventy five thousand dollars into learning my voice, and you know a lot of people don't realize that you need to make these investments hire the best coaches they will pay for themselves you don't wait till you have money to hire the coach you hire the coach now and then you will have money the universe is always expanding and so if you're expanding you're in alignment with the universe but if you're retracting and if you're in a place of scarcity you're out of alignment with the universe
1: okay i want you to talk about that a little bit more because that was um something i mean i i've had my own business since like for 12 years already. So people would always say to me, I can't afford you. I can't afford you, but you can't not afford me because if you came to me because you felt broken and unhealthy and unenergetic, you, you need to have me in your life. So then you can be better at your job, have a a better relationship with your significant other, whatever it is that the goal is, because it's always something deeper than that. So how do you tell people that they need to hire this coach, even though they don't think they have the money? Because we hear that a lot. I can't afford you. I can't afford this. I can't afford that. How does somebody do that shift in their mind?
2: Well, your objective is to shift them. And sometimes you have to point out where they are spending their money. Oftentimes, People, they'll say they can't afford you, but they can afford a $300 cable bill. So it's not necessarily a matter of of, of what they can afford. It's their priorities. What they want to spend their money on. Yeah. And, and you know, they can't afford you, but they'll buy a $2,000 purse right. or a $5,000 set of luggage or, you know, whatever the case is. So most often, it's not a matter of whether they can afford you or not. It's a matter of whether or not they, they, they're willing to prioritize their health. And, you know, most people just don't have the right mindset every time I've ever hired a coach, more money has come in to cover that coach. I've never hired a coach and had less money come in. You know, it's more money comes in because I am in in, in the state of creation and of being a student and of expansion. And by the very nature of having a coach that's going to teach me, you know, I have a boxing coach. I have a, a breathwork coach. I have a A Diet, you know, person who helps me with nutrition. I have all kinds of people, a voice coach, as I mentioned. I have a spiritual mentor. I have all of these people. And the way I see it is I have a team of people supporting me to be productive and efficient. And the more productive and efficient that I am, the more revenue I'm going to create. And so the math is real simple. Like I receive a 10 time return on anything I invest in myself and there's no better guaranteed return on the planet than an investment in yourself. So you know that, if you know that then why aren't you doing it? And it's because you have a limited mindset. You have a, you know, scarcity in terms of, you know, your your thinking or you're just not truly committed to bringing to the world the very best that you have to offer. And, and if you are committed to that, then you know, it's 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 you know, it's it's a real simple decision to make. Because it's the best return on investment you'll ever receive.
1: It's that limited mindset and that limits people from moving forward, stepping outside their comfort zone, spending money that they don't think they have, but understanding that's where the mindset is. The mindset shift is that you're going to learn something from this person, yeah. or maybe you're not going to learn something from this person, but you learned something. Yeah. You learned well, that you didn't um, learn from that person and that you've got to look for a different type of coach or whatever it may be, but you're going to learn. You're going to learn. You're going to learn.
2: If the fear is that you have, you're not sure if the person is who they say they are are capable of it. That's, that's a different fear. Most people, that's not the fear. They know that you're great at what you do. You have testimonies. You've helped a lot of people. They know that you can provide them the value that you say you can. The, you know, the, the question is, is they, they, they don't understand the more you invest the more action that you take. And so if I were to hire a piano teacher and the piano teacher, I love that you said that. If you can say that again, right? you know, if I were to hire a piano teacher and the piano teacher, like I I went on one of these online courses and I got a $9 uh, course a month to learn the piano. And I never showed up once. I never Mm -hmm. actually opened up the back office of the course and never tried it at all. And the thing was on my credit card for like a year, maybe even longer. And I never tried it once. Now, if I paid $10,000 to a piano teacher to teach me the piano, I would show up every single day. I I'd do all the drills, all the practices. I would do my very best because I'd want to make sure that I got that $10,000 worth of value. And so when you invest in yourself, you need to make an investment that is going to force you into action. Because if you don't, then you're not going to take the appropriate amount of action. I charge a lot of money. I charge $100,000 to the people that I mentor, you know, for an annual uh, mentoring program. And, you know, it's, you know, it's enough money that they show up to the meetings prepared and they have a desire and intention and they're going to extract as much out of me as they possibly can so that they can get their $100,000 worth. And, you know, my... Uh, you know, some of my my students that are in that program and, you know, my time is limited. So I, I only do it with a selected amount of people, but some of the students that are in that program, you know, I've literally watched them make millions of dollars off of the things that I've taught them because they, they want to extract the value and take action on it so that they can receive the return that it, that, you know, that the, the program is capable of yielding.
1: So we're going back to the mentoring because that's really important to you. And the things that you said with the company, the 2 years you were in isolation right you sort of it was 2 years right yeah it was 2 years so it was prayer meditation
2: you breath learned work. how to
1: your breath work singing i would
2: pray and meditate for over 10 hours a day wow yeah 10 I'd hours like to 10, isolate 10 hours. i
1: think i'd like to isolate for a year
2: you'd be surprised uh most people um yeah i i overcame this this concept of loneliness mm. you know i had prior to that uh, I was always lonely, so I was always trying to surround myself with as many people as I could, and I was always bored if I wasn't surrounded by people, and I was always seeking to distract myself with you know, self-medication, decadent living, lived like a rock star, um, and so during that period of time, I had to get to know myself and become very comfortable being completely alone. There were times that I went days without speaking to another soul, many days, and, and I, I learned to listen as a result of that. I learned to you know I would just go on walks, I did a vow of silence for a hundred days, and I would go on walks and just listen to what people were saying mm-hmm. there 's a hiking trail nearby called Running Canyon in Los Angeles, and I would just go walking and i'd just listen i 'd go outside and listen to the birds mm-hmm. i would I would just tune my ears to what was happening all around me. And so I learned invaluable skills that I had never taken the time to learn prior. And, and this was that opportunity for me to really go deep into my spirituality and into my soul and get to learn more about my soul. And I'm still on that journey. I haven't, you know, I haven't um, I haven't stopped. I'm, I'm a constant student and I'm now at, you know, stages of the journey where it's like heaven on earth. The things that I get to learn, the people I surround myself with and the work that I get to do every single day are just It's a miracle because who I was before, I was in pain. I had unresolved trauma. I had anger. I had a lot of things inside of my soul that were that were really stuck. And through that two year journey, I did most of the heavy lifting there. And then in starting my company, Alter Call and helping serve others, I then really started accelerating my growth because as I would help them heal, I would heal. And so now I've helped over 60,000 people heal through the altar call movement. And every person that I've helped heal, I've also helped myself heal as a result of their healing.
1: Isn't that interesting? I think so many people don't understand that the coaches learn so much from their students. You know, right. when I think about everything that I've learned from the people that I've coached, um, it's, um, it's priceless. It really is. And they don't, it's, it's a, um, a really symbiotic relationship. So, with all of these things that you've done and you've created, there's a lot of discipline that goes into your daily life. So, how does one create, how did you create discipline in your life? And how do you, how can you share that with others?
2: Great question. Well, discipline was the hardest thing for me to learn. I was always very competitive. So, I would, I'd work out and I'd show up because I was extremely competitive. So, I, I didn't look like an undisciplined person from the outside because I had won a lot of the games I played in because of an extreme level of competitiveness. Now, discipline is something completely different. Discipline is doing it not because you want to compete in some game or beat someone or win some award or get some sort of accolade or payday. Discipline is because you, you do this because you know this is the right thing to do. And so I reverse engineered it through learning from some of my mentors I'd asked this, you know, this a lot of deep questions on the subject because it was a very difficult topic for me to to master. And what I learned is that discipline comes by way of restriction. When you restrict small light in order to to receive big light, you become more disciplined. You know, when I say no to a, a glass of wine, not because wine is bad, but because I want to say yes to a better workout in the morning. So I'll say no to that glass of wine because I want to say yes to a workout. I'll say no to staying up till 2 o'clock, not because staying up till 2 a.m. is bad for you, but because I want to say yes to a day that starts at 4.30 a.m. I say no to small pleasure so I could say yes to even bigger pleasure. Mm. And when I understood that I was basically building my willpower and my self-control each time I said no to something, Even though it was, you know, could have been gratifying and uh, exciting and and even, you know, brought to me uh, pleasure, tremendous pleasure, that every time I said no to small pleasure, I would say yes to even bigger pleasure. And the more that I did that, the more I became disciplined. Now I do it all the time and I break off small challenges. Like I'll say, for example, my most recent thing that I've, I've, I've started a restriction challenge on is the microwave. I had the microwave in my life, my whole life. I would always use it as a shortcut to warm up foods. And frankly, it doesn't create very good tasting food. And so I said, I'm going to get rid of the microwave so I can learn how to prepare my food, cook my food and create healthy, uh, nutritious food. Um, And so that was the most recent restriction that I placed in my life. And I've been microwave free now for a few months.
1: I got rid of mine in 2017. And people come to my house and they they're like, Jody, where's the microwave? I'm like, I don't have one. They're like, Well, what do you warm with food with pan, yeah, oven, right. stove, right? And it tastes so much better. And what does it take me? Five, ten more minutes? Yeah. But it tastes so much better. And I don't know, it's just that I like that
2: restriction. That's a simple uh, one. And, you know, microwave is one thing. Alcohol was another. Drugs were another. Lustful activities. The list of things that I have just taken one restriction at a time has built up a level of discipline that, you know, makes me who I am today.
1: It takes a lot of work to do what you're talking about. It doesn't come easy. And I want everybody who's listening to understand that this is not something that's done overnight. This is something that you have to work on every single day with intention. Absolutely. So, we have just a few minutes left unfortunately um, I didn't even get to mention your book, which um, two books that you have, which is nothing to lose everything to gain and we didn't even get into that and I really would love to have you back on the show again so we could talk about your books because what you have to say about that topic in particular um, is really interesting well, I love that-
2: yeah I'm an author, so you can find me everywhere where books are sold. Um, and also I'm I'm on Instagram and I'm always DMing with you know aspiring leaders and entrepreneurs on Instagram. And that's at real Ryan Blair, if you want to reach me there.
1: Okay, thank you for sharing that with everybody. And the last question I have for you, the real Ryan Blair, is what does living a fearlessly authentic life mean to you?
2: It means being willing to look at the things that you know are painful. It means being willing to sit with your shadow and to address the issues. And each and every single day, looking at what are the things that were good from uh, today that I wanna carry with me to tomorrow? What are the things that I could have done better? And what are the things that I need to leave behind? And you know, each and every day waking up with a plan to make the day a masterpiece, to learn from it, to grow from it, and to share what you've learned with as many people as you possibly can.
1: Oh, that's so heartfelt, I love that. Thank you. Thank you so much. If anybody needs to get in touch with Ryan, um, best places on Instagram, would you say?
2: Yeah, on Instagram, or you can go to altercall.com. It's A-L-T-E-R-C-A-L-L.com.
1: Wonderful. Ryan, it was such an honor and a pleasure to have you on my show. I've learned so much from you, talking to you, reading so much about you. Um, Thank you so much for being on Fearlessly Authentic.
2: Awesome. Thank you, Jody. It's a pleasure.
0: Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for tuning in this week to Fearlessly Authentic. Please listen again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition with your host, Jody Harrison-Bauer, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. And unlock the keys to a more powerful you.